This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Science shows that involvement in social relationships benefits health. When both of you are demonstrating self-respect and happiness, you are more likely to be healthy. Well-being includes your physical health, but goes beyond to include mental, emotional, social, and spiritual aspects. The Baha'i teachings say this, Man's supreme honor and real happiness lie in self-respect in high resolve and noble purposes, in integrity and moral quality, in immaculacy of mind. Abdul Baha. As a couple, the more you integrate and harmonize all aspects of health and create well-being, the happier you are likely to be. It works from the other direction too. The happier you are, the likelier you will both be healthy. With well-being, you feel more in balance, and there is a flow of positive energy between you as a couple and between your activities. When the two of you are healthy and happy together, you have more energy and time to parent well, see friends and family, and participate in your work and community service. You are present. You show up. You make a positive difference. As you collaborate, accompany, and encourage each other, health and happiness increase. When you are united in creating well-being, you are healthier as individuals and in your relationship. Science has discovered this insight. Eating right and moving more, especially if we want to do these things on a regular basis and over a long span of time, are easier when we are inspired, cajoled, praised, and supported by the people who matter the most to us in our daily lives. Thomas N. Bradbury, Ph.D., and Benjamin R. Carney, Ph.D. When you cooperate as a team, you are more likely to turn to each other to talk about your challenges, make and keep medical and dental appointments, eat healthier meals, reduce harmful habits, have stronger immune systems, seek help as needed, Recover faster when you become ill. As equal partners, you look at the totality of your lives and choose the roles and responsibilities that are fair and respectful to both of you. You avoid the pitfalls of dominating each other, doing constant reminders, hiding behavior, or criticizing each other's actions. Instead, you look for ways to share your experiences, and you are more likely to encourage and help each other. You contribute to one another physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Valeria interviews Suzanne Alexander, the author of Creating Well-Being for Couples and Families, Increasing Health, Spirituality, and Happiness. Suzanne M. Alexander is a relationship and marriage educator, author, coach, and publisher with Marriage Transformation at the website marriagetransformation.com. Her online learning platform is transformationlearningcenter.com. Suzanne believes that knowledge and skill building are vital for healthy people and relationships. She meets with individual and couple clients globally for personal and relationship preparation, growth, and strengthening. She is certified to offer character, relationship, and marriage readiness assessments. Suzanne has been single, dating, engaged, married, divorced, and widowed. She is a child, stepchild, parent, stepparent, and grandparent. Suzanne is originally from Canada and now lives with her husband in Tennessee in the United States. She has a diversity of experience to share. Here is the interview with Suzanne Alexander.
In your own words, who is Suzanne Alexander? Suzanne is a passionate person for the things that she believes in and that she advocates for. A lot of that is for me is around family, around relationships, and contributing to the lives of the quality of the lives of other people. Who I am holistically is someone who believes in a higher consciousness in the world that contributes and guides us. And I believe in the best of each person that I meet. Wonderful. Thank you. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, creating well-being for couples and families, increasing health, spirituality, and happiness, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. So the first one had to be this one. What is happiness to you, Suzanne? Happiness for me is very linked to self-respect. It's linked to making positive choices that bring benefit to other people. I think that it's very closely linked to the quality of joy, which is a quality that's very important to me. But there are aspects of them that are a little bit different. And I think happiness is something that is often more fleeting than joy. Joy is something we can experience and feel at any point, even if really bad things are happening. Happiness is a little harder, I think, to hang on to when there are difficult things going on in the world and, and in our lives. But joy for me is something that is accessible at any point. I love your answer, and I agree. For some reason, I think the same way in some of my other guests, too. It's interesting how we define these words. Yeah. What is the meaning of well-being to you, and why is it important? I think it's important to look at well-being in a very holistic way. It's applicable physically, which is where we automatically tend to, to think when we hear that word. But it also has mental, emotional, and spiritual components to it. And when we take this whole person approach to well-being, then we have the opportunity in life to be more balanced, to function better in all of our activities. And I have certainly learned in my own life the importance of well-being. The uh, I, one of the many ironies in, in my life has been that I went into nursing school after high school, made it halfway through, couldn't deal with blood and injuries and needles and <laughs> all of the things that go along with, with nursing. But then I have spent my whole adult life caregiving and looking after and supporting the well-being of family members and friends. And it seems like just about everyone in my life. And so I've learned how vital nutrition and exercise are to maintaining life and certainly have been able to then influence the health and well-being of family members and my own self as well. Yeah. And there's another word that most of us, or some people connect, well-being and wellness. Do you also connect them? I like the word well-being a little more than wellness because it has the word being in there. And I think that being helps us to think of our whole selves. And helps us to think about our heart, about our soul, about our body, about our mind, all of the different pieces of us that are important. Wellness for me often has a more physical component to it. When I think of wellness, I think more of exercise and nutrition and making sure that the physical part of our lives is going smoothly. Well-being for me has a much broader sense to it, a much broader context. Absolutely agree with you. What is spirituality? What is to be spiritual? 
I believe that each of us has a soul and that that soul has the possibility of living for eternity so that this world uh, is a place that we can practice spiritual actions, we can strengthen our character, we can be patient and courageous and responsible and all of those wonderful qualities. But when we leave this world, when our soul goes on to whatever life happens after this, those qualities are what go with us instead of our physical bodies. And so essentially we are spiritual beings. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience here uh, at the moment. Uh, And when we think more broadly about the oneness of humanity, all of us together on this planet, then I see us as a collection of souls and a collection of souls that has the opportunity to be connected and to be one human family. I love your answer. I wanted to explore just a bit more this concept of soul. Do you also connect soul, spirit, the higher self? Um, They call also the heart. Some people say that or the creator, the source. God itself. <laughs> I know so many names. <laughs> the list goes on. <laughs> well, there are so there are so many words, aren't there? And and so many mysteries as well. You know, we're so limited, I think, by words and language. And I think that the soul and the spirit and the heart and our minds all have a connection with each other. How that happens seems to me to be a mystery, whether I will ever understand it, whether all of us will ever understand the the mysteries of the connections between all of them or not, is certainly an an unknown. I believe they all exist, uh, and I certainly believe in God. And I believe that God, from time to time, usually every few hundred or a thousand years, sends us a great teacher that brings renewal of spiritual teachings and encourages us to live lives on earth that are better, purer, uh, more friendly, <laughs> kinder, all of those the, all of those things. And so those spiritual powers renew us and and I believe they are definitely alive in the world today. Yes. Yes. What, where and who is God to you? And the creator of the universe. (laughs) See, this is another one of those mystery things. I pray to God. I trust that he has created, he or she, or whatever words you want to use, has created the universe, has created all of us, uh, and that we also have free will. He's given us that as a gift uh, so that we can make our own choices and that when we make the choices that seem to align with what he sees as best for us, uh, our lives seem to be uh, more full of well-being, let's put it that way. I think that we have no way as finite physical human beings to comprehend something that is infinite, something that is as as large as the concept of God. We can put our own images on it, on God. We can put whatever constraints we think make sense around God, but he's bigger than that. So we're, we're limited by our own minds. I do think, though, that when we pray, there is spiritual guidance that comes and there is life and hope and joy that comes from that connection. Beautifully said. Thank you. I love the component of trust. And uh, my last spiritual related question is, what do you think is the purpose of the human experience? I think it's our purpose to know God to worship God, to transform ourselves so that our lives are more spiritual, more connected to to spiritual life, and to be of service to other people. 
they all connect and they all flow together and they all bring us a level of fulfillment as we connect to spiritual forces and as we do outreach to other people and do our best to contribute to the, their their lives and their well-being. I think that it uh, increases the light in the world. It increases the joy in the world. And it builds community. Right? The more that we have the opportunity to make connections with people and to build friendships and to create community on the planet, uh, the more that I think we are fulfilling our greatest purpose in life. Yes, um, a thousand times. Yeah, Another wonderful answer. Thank you, Suzanne. And my next two questions relate to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman? Being a woman in these days is both exciting and enormously challenging. I think that we have more opportunity for voice in the world. We have more opportunity to participate in all aspects of life. And I very firmly believe that men and women from a spiritual standpoint and a mental standpoint are equal, that there is a vital element of respect that has to be there between a man and a woman. And we're not there yet, right? This is a work in progress. And so I feel like in my own life, in my own marriage to my husband, that there is a high level of respect and valuing each other. And I feel very much like I have a voice. Uh, having a voice in the greater world sometimes is a little harder. And I see uh, women around the world still very much struggling to be um, part of the human family. And I'm happy to be a woman. I'm happy to have the emotions and the intuition and the strength that comes from being a wife, being a mother, being a daughter, being a sister, being a friend. And I think that it's a blessing overall to, to be a woman and very happy to, very happy to be one. Yes. Yes. What is freedom to you, Suzanne? What is to be free? I think there's a lot of confusion about the word freedom in the world. Often people take it as the ability to do whatever we want, the ability to just make our rights uh, and ourselves more important than other people. And if you think about a wild animal in the field, it has uh, complete freedom. It certainly has more freedom often than, than I do. But what gives us the ability to function as human beings with each other in, in a peaceful way and in a harmonious way is that at times we sacrifice uh, our own wishes to be, to give respect to laws, to order, to a planet that can function in harmony. So freedom for me is definitely linked to the ability to worship God as I choose. It's, it's the ability to choose my work, the ability to choose uh, mostly my life circumstances. But I think uh, freedom also works better when there are a certain level of, of constraint. I, I appreciate having traffic lights when I approach the intersection, for example. <laughs> I am very glad that my freedom is restricted to a certain extent so that my safety is, is uh, paramount in that circumstance. And I think often... Often the value that we place on, on freedom has more to do with selfishness than it does to really recognizing that we are an interconnected uh, society. Right. So true. Yeah, well said. Um, 
at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? I think the greatest need in the world is for unity. Bottom line, which is very linked to, to well-being, of course, too. The And well-being and unity are both linked to self-respect, aren't they? The And the respect that we hold for other people. I think that... For myself, I have chosen to be a member of the Baha'i faith. When I look at the Baha'i teachings, which to me are the most recent message from God, I am filled with joy because what Baha'u'llah has brought in his teachings are the pathways and the ways to achieve unity on the planet very much the you know the oneness of humanity and the uh, insistence that everyone on the planet be educated and the possibility in the future of a world language so that we can all be communicating with each other and connected and so many more aspects and the teachings that help me to transform my life on a daily basis little by little, day by day, and offer to other people the opportunity to transform their lives. And so it's uh, it's a very joyful place to be, and, and I so much appreciate being part of a faith community and very much part of connecting to teachings that help the world make sense, which it's very difficult to make sense of so much of the world these days. But I look at it as there are many positive things being built up in the world and many negative things that are dying. And so it's a dual process that will lead us eventually to a world civilization that is stronger and healthier and uh, unified. I love this idea. Um, what is interesting to know is that we are already united. We are already one, but it's becoming aware of that. I agree with you. That's the, that's the reality, that we are all one. And it will take time I, for everyone to realize that and to behave in alignment with that. Speaking of unity, my last warm-up question is this one is about love. What is love to you? That's another one of those mysterious, complex questions. Love for me is everything from gravity. It's the force that holds everything together uh, to our very human experience of feeling positively towards another human being in such a way that it connects us, it connects our hearts. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. because I'm a relationship and marriage coach, obviously I believe in, in love and relationships as well of the ability to, um, to show thoughtfulness and caring towards someone else, to respect them as another human being and to see the best in my partner and in other people, to see that soul in them, I think generates the ability to love people even when they are difficult to love. <laughs> right. And that is uh, an interesting challenge, right? That we learn so much more about ourselves in those situations <laughs> than anything else. Um, so let's talk about your work. And my first question is, how did you become a writer? <laughs> I think I first fell in love with writing in English class in high school, although I was frustrated at some of the constraints. Then as, as time went on, I stopped writing probably for about 20 years, other than maybe, you know, business memos, that sort of thing. And I found that my soul was drying up. <laughs> it was, it was like this unfulfilled uh, ability. And during a time of difficulty, I started writing poetry. And that freed me up to start expressing myself again. 
as life went on, I ended up becoming a freelance journalist for a while. So I appreciated the ability to be paid to learn about all kinds of things, which often how I looked at it. And then uh, when I married my now late husband, uh, we started to see lots of people in our lives that were hurting, that needed help with relationships and marriage. And he and I looked at each other and we said, we're smart people. We don't really know exactly what we're doing, but we ought to be able to somehow figure out how to make a difference for people. And so I started to put together a, a marriage preparation workbook. That was the first one. And since then have been inspired to write books for couples, for individuals, for men, for women. And uh, every time I turn around, it seems like there's a another book hopping. I think I've got about four going <laughs> at the moment. So it's a, it's a gift. Wow. It is a gift, yeah, writing. Wow, for sure. So let me ask you this question before I ask you other ones. Uh, what was the intention of writing your book, Creating Well-Being for Couples and Families? I know it seems obvious, but I would like to hear more about the intention behind it. The primary audience for the book is couples with young children and often meet with and have clients who are struggling with so many things to do in their lives. They are trying to be parents and they are trying to work and shop and do their housework and just so many things. And they feel sometimes that their relationship and their well-being take a backseat. And I often these days see couples who are in their 50s with young children because often people have been marrying late and they, they struggle with well-being because their bodies are aging in addition to uh, all of the other responsibilities that they have. And so I wanted to put together a book that had very short, very simple, easy to access, easy to do things so that they could bring it into a life that was already full and busy and yet still make progress with well-being. Yeah, it's really well written. And I love the conscious focus for some reason that caught my attention. So I have some of them here. But before that, let me ask you, yeah, this question. Talk to me for a moment about the learning platform that you have created, transformationlearningcenter.com. I chose that name because in doing online courses, I realized that I could provide learning for, for individuals, for couples, and for families all in an online environment. And every uh, aspect of relationships and improving relationships is linked to transformation. I see that as people improve their own characters, as they become more patient and more joyful and more respectful, all of those qualities that I see very linked to transformation, that it's possible for people to then improve their, their relationships. And so I've been putting together courses for men and women about self-respect and joyfulness. Um, and I have also uh, been launching courses that help couples to communicate better and assist people to find their best selves through, um, through learning and through building skills and finding new ways to, to interact with each other. Yes, I love how you connect the uh, becoming whole, building a woman's self-respect and joy. I love how you have those two, those words connected, self-respect and joy. Somehow you link them. So I have a question about self-esteem and self-respect. But before that, another question came to mind about transformation. Is there 
a difference between transformation and change? Well, transformation sounds like a whole lot more fun, doesn't it? Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The word change often yeah. for people builds a, a level of resistance, whereas True. when we think about transformation, we can think about you know, a butterfly going from a cocoon to to being beautiful and flying. And we can think about a, a tree starting as a seed and transforming into a, a, a large towering ability to, to provide shade and homes for, <laughs> for birds and all of those sorts of things. Change is uh, something that is constant in our world. No matter where we turn, there is an opportunity to practice the virtue of flexibility, I think. And it's certainly something that uh, all of us have to, to go through. Uh, it provides us the opportunity, though, to be resilient, to practice resilience in response to challenges. But I like transformation as a, uh, as a concept. It feels to me like a blossoming, right? mm-hmm. Grow, a growing entity, uh, whereas change often feels like something that's imposed from the outside. Yeah. Very true. So transformation, it's caused by choice. We are choosing to transform, choosing to change. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. So what is self-esteem and how is self-esteem different from self-respect, self-confidence, self-importance, and why not self-love? <laughs> I have stopped using the term self-esteem because I started to notice that people could esteem themselves, think highly of themselves for all kinds of things, many of them not positive. If you think about a successful bank robber, he might esteem his ability to rob a bank or someone might esteem their ability to cheat on their taxes or whatever. And Respect is a spiritual quality. I find that if I use the term self-respect, that it brings spirituality into the space. And it is a word that is automatically then associated with positive actions and positive things happening that benefit, benefit people course, I suppose a bank robber might think that that <laughs> the way benefiting people too. But I would say in the greater more in the greater moral scheme of things, that's not the case. And so self-respect, I think, is uh, uh, is a much more spiritual concept. Self-confidence is the same for me in terms of its spiritual qualities. When we are confident, then I think we are honoring who we are. Uh, as a creation of, of a spiritual creation, a creation of God. And when we are confident, then we are using the best in ourselves. And, and that's what it is that we're then presenting to the world. In terms of self-love, it's, it's a mixed thing, isn't it? If we think about self-love on the one hand, it, it can be look like selfishness and uh, caring more about uh, ourselves than about other people. And it can look pretty nasty at times. But if we look at self-love as in loving the soul that we are, the mind that we are, the person that we are, and honoring the well-being that comes as a result, um, then I think... Uh, loving ourselves in that uh, in that sphere then is part of self-respect, right? It's part of what has to be there because otherwise we go around feeling unworthy and we end up feeling like we're, you know, we should crawl under a rock or something like that. It, it's um, it's important to uh, important to feel that love and respect for ourselves. Yes. I agree. So another interesting word that you use is character. So there's a phrase you say in your book, character qualities or virtues are one of the best contributors to any happy person or relationship. So how is character or virtues connected to well-being, Suzanne? Yeah, we're, we're a noble human being. That's who we are. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> and loving ourselves as a noble human being uh, is important. I think it's impossible to disconnect the two of them, really. I just have so much fallen in love with the the whole idea of, of character, and which some people refer to as virtues. But I think that they give us the ability to to be our best selves, to contribute our best selves to others. What I find that character is all about our heart and our souls. They It includes qualities like courage and compassion and patience. And what I have noticed is that those qualities affect virtually every word out of our mouths and virtually every action that we take. There is some quality that is there influencing it. And so that's fascinating to me in studying human beings that the, there is this power that is underneath all of the things that we are doing. And the other thing I have noticed is that if you pair them together, they get even more powerful. So, for instance, if you take truthfulness and tactfulness, then you have the ability to share the truth with someone else. But you can put this helper quality there of tactfulness, or you can use kindness or love. And those qualities then merge together, blend together, help each other out. And we have an even greater impact on what it is that we're doing. And those qualities, the stronger that they are, and the more that there are, that there are, the better relationships are. And so I often coach couples before marriage to make sure that they have thoroughly looked at each other's character and make sure that they know that someone will be bringing into the relationship the qualities that will help them to sustain over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like this um, idea of conscious choices, making conscious decisions. How do you distinguish character from values and beliefs? Can they somehow intersect? I think they do intersect and they tend to be different. The When I think of character, it's the qualities of the soul. And when I think of values, it is more like the principles that guide my life or guide my choices. So if I have a value of family, for instance, then I would use the character quality of kindness or the, or the character quality of respect or that sort of um, choice to influence the relationship with my family members. So they, they interact and they intersect, but they're different in that the values are my principles that I uh, choose for operating my life and character are the qualities that help me to carry out my values. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm wondering if we can, they can be changed, altered throughout life. I believe that we are born with the capacity for all of the character qualities. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I think that the capacity is there always. And as we are raised by our parents, as we interact at school, as we learn and as we grow, we are given opportunities to grow and strengthen those qualities. Often it's tests and difficulties that prompt us to learn to be more flexible, more resilient, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, all of those things. And to, so it is a lifetime process. It's probably an eternal process, but I believe that we are given an opportunity here on earth to bring them to their maximum fulfillment as best as we can, and that those qualities go with us when our soul travels to whatever it is that happens after this, and that those qualities are like our fingers and toes and organs here. They are what 
we will use as our soul goes on in order to be of service in whatever way God mm-hmm. <laughs> is mysterious, mysterious mm-hmm. places, right? Yeah. In whatever it is that comes after this, I believe we have the opportunity to continue to be of spiritual service to uh, probably everyone on the planet, depending on where it is that that we're needed. And, and those qualities of character are what travel with us and give us the... Um, prevent us from being handicapped right Mm. if we end up at the end of our life and and we have uh, a lack of of a a range of of qualities then i think it handicaps us it also handicaps us of course throughout life because it when we have a lot of uh, weak character qualities they tend to negatively affect relationships around us and so it's part of our our life journey to have them be as strong as we can. Yes, so true. So I have so many points questions for you here that relate to creating well-being for couples and families, the components to it, relaxation, work, friendship, uh, nutrition, exercise, relaxation, and wow. (laughs) So we don't have a lot of time to go through all of them. So I'd like you to choose a few components you believe are the most crucial ones. Yes, and choosing is, is always a challenge. <laughs> yeah, true. There's about 20, 20, 28 sections in the book. I wonder if I might choose uh, the number 18, which is about appreciation, because I think that's one that's useful for many people. And I can then uh, share with people a little bit about how the each section is, uh, is structured. At the beginning, I have both a science and a more spiritual uh, quotation. Uh, in this case, with appreciation, uh, the spiritual one is, we can never exert influence over others, which we can exert over ourselves. If we're better, if we show love, patience, and understanding of the weakness of others, If we seek to never criticize, but rather encourage, others will do likewise. And below the quotations then are uh, some reflection on the topic. And I'll just read a couple of sentences from that. It can be easy to assume that people close to you know what you appreciate about them and their actions, especially when you get busy and don't express the words to them. However, there is tremendous power to touch the heart of another person through offering sincere and kind words of appreciation and encouragement. And this is effective even when an action is one that the other does often. And then I ask them some reflective questions, right? Do you struggle with low self-respect and discount each other's positive words? Because we do that sometimes, right? We, yeah, Someone right. says something positive to us and we... we we say it's not actually true. Um, and, you know, are we able to accept the words with joy that come to us in the way of appreciation and be happy that our, our partner appreciated our actions? And, uh, and then I usually, and in each section, I include a story uh, that's a couple's experience and this one I think will sound very familiar to people. Mm-hmm. I have found that when my stress level starts to rise, it almost immediately triggers resentment that family members are not valuing my contributions. I feel like I need to call special attention to the things I am doing. I have noticed that stress also prevents me from seeing the contributions that others are making, and so I miss opportunities to express appreciation. Both of us must make an effort now to say or show our appreciation for each other whenever we can, especially in times of stress. And, and then I always give them learning activities to, to try as well. And uh, in this one, uh, there is character quality language, which is one of my, my favorite activities to, um, to share with, with people and, to, and couples because since our character qualities are qualities of the heart and soul, when we appreciate those, there is a much stronger impact than if I just say you're nice, right? Or I, I, I like this or I like that. And so when I say things like, thank you for being helpful, I appreciate your courage when you did this, uh, that it has a much stronger impact. And and I could say that to you, Valeria. I could say thank you for your flexibility and perseverance 
in putting all of the parts of this podcast together because I appreciate that you did that. Oh, wow, makes me feel encouraged. <laughs> Thank you, Sixan. Thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that is so true, this point that you make about being more specific with our appreciation, using the words more specifically. That shows also that we are listening. There's something about listening that is so powerful. When we know we are being understood, being heard. Definitely a way of showing respect when we listen to someone else. So I have a few more questions for you that I call final questions. Would you like to add anything, Suzanne? I'd like to share with the listeners the one of my favorite quotations about joy. It's soar upon the wings of joy in the atmosphere of the love of God. That's one from Baha'u'llah. And what I have found is that I, when I lay in bed at night, if I end my day with a quotation like that going through my mind, there's a lightness that happens and an ability to rest and sleep and recharge my well-being and wake up in a much more positive spirit. And what I love about self-respect and joy is that they're accessible to us no matter what is going on in our lives or in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. For the rest of the interview. <laughs> true. So true. It's a, it's a practice, a wonderful practice. I agree. And um, there's anything else you'd like to add or say? I'd like to add a moment of encouragement for all of the people listening that they have the ability to practice holistic well-being. I think often it's easy for us to get sucked into social media, into the news, into all of the things that are happening around us and take on those negative vibrations and allow them to negatively affect our well-being. And I want people to understand that they have choices, that they can make choices that improve the well-being that they experience within themselves and in their relationships with other people, and that as their thoughts become more positive, that those thoughts will travel throughout our world and help to create well-being for everyone. Wow, how beautiful. Thank you for your amazing intention, this vision. <laughs> yeah. And my final questions, I have two questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I might be a little uh, a little less worried about the, the virus at the moment, I suppose, and <laughs> connect, connect with people. But so, other, than, other than that, yeah, it's a good question, Valeria. If I were going to... If I knew I were going to die soon, what would I do differently? And it's interesting because it pulls me back to thinking about well-being. Now, have I done everything that I possibly could in my life to transform my character, to contribute to the transformation of other people? Uh, and it would have me assess whether I had any dangling strings, mm -hmm. so yeah. to speak. Yeah. You know, things that needed to be tidied up. Was there a conversation I needed to have with someone? Was there something I needed to forgive? Was there something that I needed to pay attention to and make sure that it was in order so that after my passing, things were easier for my family? So I think if you have the time, you know, if you don't die suddenly, if you actually have the time to think about it, it's an opportunity to ensure that life is complete. Uh, we have done whatever it is that we needed to do. Yes. 
and the interesting things that we don't know when this is going to happen. I feel it's an important question to ask ourselves almost on a daily basis. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> and my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know for sure that there's a God. I know for sure that I and everyone else on planet Earth have been put here for a purpose. I know that it's possible for each of us to find ways to be of service to other people and to live lives that uh, are filled with joy and with self-respect. Thank you so much for your intention, your beautiful work, your wisdom, your joy. <laughs> Thank you, Suzanne. I so appreciate you, Valeria. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I have one more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, courses, products, services, and future projects? The best place to go is marriage transformation.com m-a-r-r-i-a-g-e-t-r-a-n-s-f-o-r-m-a-t-i-o-n.com wonderful thank you so much again and we'll talk soon thank you too bye Suzanne bye bye thank you for listening To learn more about Suzanne Alexander, please visit her website, marriagetransformation.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.